Welcome, everyone. This is Mia Ferroletto, publisher of New Observations Magazine. Welcome to our show. Today, I am truly delighted to be able to bring Barbara Lamb to you um, to discuss her extraordinary career as a therapist and hypnotherapist and her work specifically with hybrids, people who are both um, human and ET hybrid crosses um, and the extraordinary gifts actually that they are bringing to humanity at this moment of in time. Barbara, welcome to the show. Thank you. I'm delighted to be here with you. Oh, it's such a pleasure uh, for me and for the audience. I'm sure everyone uh, is is very curious to know how you got involved in working with contactees um, and a, a people who had uh, had abduction experiences. Well, you know, I never, ever dreamed that I would be doing such a thing. Uh, so it just evolved slowly over a period of years. And lo and behold, um, uh, amounted to by working with oh, at least 2,000 different people um, who have had extraterrestrial encounters of various types. So I think it all began actually way back in 1976 when I became a psychotherapist, a licensed therapist. And I noticed in my therapy practice that um, on occasions I was doing quite a bit of deeper Work And what I mean by that is um, helping people get into a nice state of very deep relaxation. And while they were in that state, we would do the therapeutic work. Well, after a while, after a few years of doing that, um, it was brought to my attention that I was doing hypnosis. I didn't had not known that. I did not know there was a name for it. So then I thought, well, maybe I better take a hypnosis course and really know what I'm doing. So I took a couple of those. And then in 1984, um, I started taking training for five years for being a past life regression therapist. So that brought me into the regression part of the hypnosis work. And after five years of training, at the very last module of training, uh, the woman who was training us at that time said something very, very peculiar that really got my attention. And I, was, I must interject here that up to this time, I had not been aware that there really were, in truth, extraterrestrial beings and therefore other planets that have very intelligent life on them. So I had thought, I had sort of heard of that, you know, and had seen a couple of movies that were wonderful involving that sort of thing, like E.T. and Close Encounters of the Third Kind, which had been very, very moving to me, but I still assumed it was all science fiction. But in this last module of my past life therapy training, the trainer said, 
those of you who are doing this regression work need to know that it could happen sometime that someone will come to you wanting a regression because they have been visited by very unusual beings and seems to have been taken away for a while and brought back and they're very confused and they don't remember very much about it but they know it happened and in some cases they're very traumatized so you just need to know that sometimes somebody might come to you like that well that was a real surprise to me I was having cognitive dissonance as you can imagine and not only that but at the very same moment right after she said that I heard a very loud commanding voice in my head saying pay attention to this Barbara you will be doing this well I was really stunned and shocked nobody else heard those words but I did very clearly so and then we went on for five days or six days uh, with the training uh, for past life regression therapy and I never even asked the trainer um, anything about what she had said that people might come to us for that sort of reason but anyway I did find that for the next three years I was very often going to bookstores and magazine stores and hoping to find some sort of information now this is all in the very late 1980s and I had not heard of Whitley Strieber or uh, Bud Hopkins or John Max or David Jacobs I just had not run across that in my life um, but I did find a few articles and a brief mention in a couple of books about these extraterrestrial abductions as they were calling them and then in 1991 one day in the shower which is a good free free thought time for me I was thinking you know if somebody would ever come to me with that kind of a complaint having unusual visitors and taking them away for a while that I think I could handle that yeah I, I, I think there's a very good chance that it's real and with all the regression work I've done now to past lives um, and regressions to earlier in this life there's no reason why I couldn't apply the same methods to somebody who would come with that sort of complain so anyway that was one morning in the shower and then two hours later I was in a metaphysical bookstore in Southern California and the woman behind the counter said oh aren't you Barbara Lamb don't you do regression work and I said yes not knowing how she knew about me but she did and then she said oh would you please work with my 21 year old daughter 
who is so traumatized because many, many nights, these very strange beings who are definitely not human are coming into her room and doing strange things, and she feels like she's been taken away by them. She's wow. But she's really frightened and won't even sleep in her own room anymore. She's insisting on sleeping between her dad and I in our bed every night, and we're getting pretty tired of it. You know, we've got to get some help for her. <laughs> wow. <laughs> what an amazing thing to happen. Oh, right. And here she was, a young woman, 21 years old, lovely young lady, and she was so traumatized by this that she had dropped out of college and dropped out of her part-time job. So she was just staying home, being miserable and, and, you know, barely functioning. So I agreed to work with her, and that was the beginning for me in 1991. Uh, the beginning of many, many, many people coming for the same reason, uh, to explore what had happened. It seemed like visitors were coming to them and taking them away for a while. And so this young woman, um, after six sessions, six regressions with me, um, each one to a different kind of extraterrestrial being coming to her and different kinds of things that they did with her. So we got a good look at uh, what was going on for her with these beings. And anyway, in the seventh session, she came in and all smiles and looking relaxed and happy and said, you know what, I feel privileged. I feel honored that all these beings want to know more about me. And we had done a regression in which some very tall, thin, very white beings had come to her one night when she was in bed with a very bad ear infection, very, very painful. And these beings rolled her over on her side in her bed and they were doing something, she was aware, um, in her ears. She could only get a glimpse of what they looked like, but they looked like the three very tall white beings, very thin. Anyway, she was aware that they were doing something in her ear, and then she went back to sleep, and they left. And in the next morning, she woke up, and that painful ear was completely well, she had been healed by them with whatever they were doing in her ear. And also, this last session, when she came in feeling very happy about the whole thing, uh, she had been healed, and her sister, fortunately, had witnessed that, which is wonderful. I love these situations when there's a witness to these anomalous things happening. So anyway, she and her sister had been riding along in a car, was sort of at dusk time, and they were aware that there was a, a bright blue beam coming in the back window uh, from 
somewhere up in the sky. And then they were aware that the car motive started to sort of put put her out. And and, uh, she was driving. She pulled off the road. And she and her sister jumped out of the car and ran across a field because they didn't know about this blue beam and what it might do to them. So anyway, they were running across the field. And the blue beam hit this young woman's back in the lower back where she had had chronic back pain for a couple of years. Her sister kept running across the field, but um, my client just stopped and because the blue beam of light felt so good on her lower back. So she just stood there and received it. And after a short amount of time, uh, she was aware that she didn't feel the warmth and looked around and the beam wasn't there anymore. And her sister came back and they went back on into the car and drove away and did whatever they were going to do in the first place. But the point is that she had been healed of that back pain by the blue beam of light coming from sort of a uh, circular-looking craft not too high up in the sky. So she went on her way in her life uh, feeling that if the beings wanted to come again, even though they looked very strange and peculiar to her, it would be all right. She would trust what they were doing. So that was the beginning, Mia, for me in 1991. And uh, then I went away to England to research crop circles and came back again. And in the fall, um, another lady was somehow referred to me and she stayed for about 10 years of regressions to her ET experiences. And then a month or two later, another lady came, and she stayed with me for 12 years and many regressions to her extraterrestrial experiences. And then I thought, oh, well, you know, that's that's all there's going to be. But this is all in the early 1990s now. But then people kept coming. And how they found me, I just don't know, except that beginning in about 1992, I believe, um, people started asking me to speak at conferences. And in those conferences, right toward the end, I would mention that I do regression work for uh, taking people into their past lives, if that's what they wish, or um, to experiences with extraterrestrial beings. So with those lectures happening, some people in the audience would come to me afterwards and say, wow, I'm so glad to find somebody who who knows how to help with that. Can I come to you for a regression? So anyway, by now, all these years later, it's been over 2,000 people have come, and some of them, the ones who've been able to come for a number of years and several or even many regressions, it's more. It's closer to 4,000 regressions that I've done to people's extraterrestrial experiences. 
So I that's incredible. So much. Oh my goodness, there's so much going on there with this whole phenomenon. There's so many different kinds of beings who come here. I'm really convinced of that from the descriptions of these people. I always have them describe them in as much detail as they can when they're in the regression. I learn as much as I can. I mean, the whole point is to help them, but I do learn a lot myself, I must admit, you know, as these regressions are going on. So um, I think there are probably about 60 different kinds of beings that I have been aware of just through the people who come to me for regression work. I think um, we're going to take a break here for our first uh, commercial break and come right back. I have a few specific questions for you, so um, be right back. And welcome back to the show. Barbara, do you think perhaps that these um, various beings who are showing up could represent the star families for the individual people that you're working with? Yes, definitely so. Um, More and more information has come to me about that. For instance, in the early 2000s, or or middle 2000s, I started meeting people who impressed me as hybrid beings. Now, these are people right here on Earth with us. It all started with a woman named Cynthia Crawford, who unfortunately passed away a couple of years ago, but a wonderful woman. And when I first saw her at a conference, I did a double take, and she said, why? Like, why are you looking at me with such surprise? And I said, well, I hope you don't mind my saying this, but you remind me of a hybrid. And she said, yes, you're right. I am a hybrid. And a couple of years after that, (laughs) I was introduced to another woman at the International UFO Congress. And I immediately thought, that woman is a mantis being. Now, I don't know why I thought those things, but it was just one of those moments of profound insight. And when I said to that woman, well, hello, how do you do? You remind me of a mantis being. And she leaned forward and she said, good for you. I am a mantis being. (laughs) That's that's wonderful. (laughs) Oh, it was delightful. And I got to know both of those women really, really well. In fact, the mantis being spent a whole week with me in California at my home. So I really got to know her and see her abilities. So after that, a couple of years later, I was invited to go to a gathering where there were a few other hybrids and uh, got to know them. And all of these people are excellent human beings, and they all look like human beings for sure. And they all were born from a human mother here on Earth. But in most cases, they had been hybridized before they were born. So 
that means that with some of them, the eggs had been taken from the human mother without the mother knowing it. In other words, in what we tend to call an abduction. And the sperm was taken from the father, human father. And then on board the craft, the extraterrestrials would mix that with their genetics and make an embryo. And then they would take the mother on another occasion and implant that little hybridized embryo into her womb. So then she would subsequently realize that she was pregnant and go to the doctor and get that confirmed and carry the baby full term and give birth the way that we do. So the baby comes out looking like a human being, but having the extraterrestrial DNA in the baby. Now, the other common method of uh, the ETs making a hybrid who can live here uh, is that when the human mother is already pregnant and carrying the child in the womb, and um, if he had about six months or so during the gestation period, the mother will be taken and an extraterrestrial will inject, like with a hypodermic needle, inject their material with their DNA through the wall of the abdomen and the wall of the womb into the fetus inside. And then, of course, that fetus will be carried full term here and born in the regular way that we humans give birth. So all of these humans, or I should say all of these hybrids, always felt from their earliest recollection, they always felt different than everybody else around them, different even than their family. And very often as little children, they would say, well, you're not my real mommy and daddy. My real mommy and daddy are out there, and they would point up to the sky. And they felt different than other children at school. So they looked pretty normal, or I should say absolutely normal, but in the growing up years, some of them found that they had different physiological features that are different than the rest of us. In other words, one person discovered that she had a different blood type than the rest of us do. Another one found she had a different bone consistency. Another one found that she had different muscular consistency and was always advised by her doctors to not play sports and not be too active because her muscles just wouldn't take it. And another one, a young man, had an internal organ that's usually in the lower abdomen in us humans, but it was up in his upper chest. And another one had skin that actually was looking like our human skin, but felt like a different consistency. So other than those things, uh, they seemed to be perfectly normal humans. Although I must say that in each case, 
they had continuing positive contact with the extraterrestrial beings who had contributed their genetics to them. And in each case, it was not just one kind of extraterrestrial, but a combination of different extraterrestrial species who seemed to be working together to create these hybrids. And these children, even from their very earliest days, had a lot of paranormal abilities that most of us don't have. Um, They could do psychokinesis. They could do teleportation. They did telepathic uh, knowing of what others were thinking. And the only trouble was that they didn't have anybody who could receive their telepathic messages, but that's the way they wished to communicate. And they all had the ability to heal, to heal people or to heal animals. Uh, Some of them uh, are wonderful animal communicators. You just do it mentally, telepathically with animals. Uh, Some of them even consult this way. They give uh, telepathic messages to the owners of pets, for instance mostly cats and dogs, um, which they have heard from that pet. So um, they're all doing services. Uh, They're all uh, teaching courses and um, healing people, uh, inspiring people, writing in many cases. And they're very, very encouraging of those other people we call starseeds. There are a lot of adults whom I'm meeting one by one graduate who consider themselves starseeds. And that means that they may not be hybrids with actually genetics from extraterrestrials, but they definitely feel a connection with very benevolent beings out there in space and seem to get inspiration and messages from them. And they know that they are here, as the hybrids are, to help to raise the consciousness of humanity. That's what each one of the nine hybrids, whom my co-author and I interviewed at great length, each one separate from each other, And they all said some of the very same things, and that is that they are here to help raise the consciousness of humanity. They are here to help in those kinds of ways, here to educate people slowly, without any fanfare, educate people about the existence of these other beings in space and their mentality, their lives, and particularly their concern of many of these extraterrestrials, their concern for humanity and concern for the Earth. And another thing that they all said in common, as have 
hybrids, other hybrids I have subsequently met after doing this study, um, is that they are helping us to become evolved enough as a civilization of humans, evolved enough to be part of the great galactic federation that exists out there in space. And they are also helping us to ascend. Uh, They all talked about the process of ascension, which is slowly evolving, of the earth and humanity to slowly, eventually be able to evolve into a higher dimension, into the fifth dimension, where there is no war and no greed and no competition and uh, there's so much more love and cooperation and decency in every way, taking care of the uh, ascended, the more refined planet in much better ways than we take care of our planet. So there's a lot of commonality between them. And, oh, I must say, because I think this is so wonderful, that they all emphasized that we all are one. We are all part of the great source. So that means not only we human beings and we animals and all species on earth are one, but all of us that I've just mentioned are one with all the beings in the cosmos. So these people, these hybrids here on Earth, are really doing some good work, very important work, and encouraging the star kids and the star seed adults, encouraging all of us, actually. So it's a wonderful thing. I think it's really a gift to humanity. We all must uh, contain some ET DNA. I I suspect with all of the visitors coming and going that um, that each and every one of us um, has untapped potential um, that we're born with uh, because we. In my opinion, we are all star beings. Yes, well, I think you're absolutely right. Uh, some are just more <laughs> more involved in their mission of being a star seed than others. But I agree with you completely, Mia, that I think that it's very, very likely that all of us humans have some extraterrestrial genetics in us from way, way, way back when Mm -hmm. humanity started. And maybe even here and there since then, uh, some people perhaps more than others. Just like it seems like a huge part of humanity is probably not having encounters with extraterrestrial beings. Probably... I think it's fair to say most people 
are not having those encounters. However, there are a tremendous amount of people who are having them all over the world. I mean, millions of people, several million people in the United States alone. And we do know from reports that it does happen all over the world. Uh, So a lot of this is going on. And, of course, the beings, as as I'm sure you know, uh, the beings do everything they can except for with these hybrids when they're very openly welcomed. They do um, everything they can to have the person being affected, being visited by the the beings, uh, to be as little aware of it or even not aware of it, um, as little aware of it as possible. And so they do things like make us not be conscious as soon as they come, and they they affect our minds so that in most cases we don't remember too much about the encounter. And that's why the hypnotic regressions, I believe, are so helpful for people because they might just remember a few moments like somebody being in their room at night and then uh, there might be a web of light coming in through the window that shouldn't be coming in through the window and they might be aware of being levitated up off the bed and not being able to move. Usually that's about as far as they remember. Or they might remember just coming back, coming back into the room in the air and, and being lowered down or even dropped down on the bed and wonder, what was that? You know, so anyway, the wonderful thing is, I so greatly respect this, that the subconscious part of our minds records absolutely everything that we experience, and the subconscious part of the mind records even those things that we have experienced and yet have not been consciously aware of. And that's why we can go into hypnosis and go to an incident that we want to know about and go right through that incident as if we are reliving it now and get all the details. So, of course, people who come to me have gotten to a point where they're, you know, convinced that these unusual things have been happening. They may have been wondering about them for many, many years. That's true in most cases. And I, I can imagine. Yeah, they want um, to know. We're just going to take our second break here, Barbara. We'll be right back. Okay. Stay with us. Welcome back to the show. I would think that having these experiences, in addition to not only the awareness, but the the knowledge, both personal inner knowledge and wisdom um, about the world that these people gain from having these experiences must be an enormous motivating factor um, yes. for them to do to do good. Oh, yes. Yes, I definitely think so. In fact, uh, 
many people whom I've regressed and, and you know, they've found the details of their ET encounters are very aware that although they may have been terrified to wake up one night and see somebody very strange in the room, I mean, it's enough to know that somebody's there in the room when you thought you were alone uh, and there shouldn't be anybody there. Um, that's bad enough. But then when they get a glance or even a pretty good look at who's there and realize this isn't even a human being. I've never even seen anything like this before. I don't know what it is. So definitely uh, we can understand why it can be confusing and terrorizing and traumatizing for many, many people. And then to have that sense that something strange happened to them and not know what it was, that, of course, is very, very unnerving. So with all the people I have regressed, I, as far as I know, every single one of them was relieved after the regression, even though some of the things that they discovered in the regression that had happened in that particular encounter, they weren't particularly fond of, like having eggs taken from their body or sperm, if it's a man, and um, and then realizing that uh, hybrid children who are living on the ship have been created with some of their material. Uh, this is a shock for many people to realize that, and yet um, they are often given the opportunity to visit those hybrid babies and told that the baby is theirs, um, and even visit the hybrid as it grows up through childhood and into adulthood. In other words, quite a number of these experiences over the years. And um, some of them come to really be very fond of, even love, those hybrid children. I've heard so many women say that they wish they could bring those hybrid children back to Earth and raise them here. But the beings always say, no, um, this one must stay here uh, because he's not human enough in proportion to pass for a human and not human enough in proportion to handle the bacteria, germs and viruses and so forth that you humans have in your environment. So anyway, there's, there's a huge number, I have no idea how many, of hybrids who are, shall we say, born from a gestation tank on the ship and grow up and live through their childhoods and even adult lives as hybrids on the ships with the other beings. That's another another whole part of this. There's so many different aspects uh, to this whole phenomenon. It's really, really fascinating. The more that you learn, um, the more wonderful it is. And right now, I am very excited because over this past weekend, a woman spent 
about um, two and a half days with me, a woman who'd come quite a long distance to do that. And we started brainstorming, and we are going to produce a children's coloring book about the E.T. encounter situation. Oh, Uh, wow. What a wonderful idea, Barbara. That's fantastic. It is, and she has wonderful artistic ability. So I I have described about 20 different scenarios that I know that children experience from these regressions I've done. Um, and, um, And as I am regressing people, I have the feeling that I am picturing exactly what they are remembering. In other words, the environment where the encounters started, uh, how they how they left, how they went up through the air with a being or two or three and into a craft and uh, their descriptions of the inside of the spacecraft and the description of the other beings. Uh, so you know, I have just been for a couple of days now just flooding with ideas of different scenarios that we could depict. And the the whole aim of this is to acquaint people, the adults who might be reading this too, but particularly children who might be uh, reading it as a a children's book and coloring in, in it as a coloring book, to just acquaint them with the fact that these encounters really do go on and there are a lot of positive things uh, that are happening for these children. So Whitley Streeper himself um, has brought forth wonderfully uh, the whole notion of children being inspired during the middle of the night to get up out of their beds and to hop on their bicycles and go to a certain place for a secret school, as he did in his childhood. And that's one of the many scenarios we want to include in this book of a child being inspired, getting the idea of getting up out of bed and going to the secret school where they learn all kinds of interesting things, including a lot of psychic skills. So anyway, um, I'm just really having fun with that. I've I've enjoyed my other three books so much, um, the process of writing them, although it gets tedious at moments, but uh, it still has been so exciting to bring through information. Um, In my first book, it's called Crop Circles Revealed, and I've had 27 years of personally investigating crop circles in England in the summers and uh, and even conducting tours into crop circles for many of those summers and uh, and then writing alien experiences which are 25 stories from my caseload this book was written in 2008 so I took a variety of different kinds of happenings with extraterrestrials from the work that I had been doing. 
And um, and then more recently, 2015, the book Meet the Hybrids, which is talking about these wonderful ET human hybrids living on Earth. So now um, I'm sort of gearing it toward children, which I think is very exciting. Well, the importance at this moment in time of you focusing on children, I believe, is critical. When you consider, you know, when you began all of this in the mid-1980s and early 90s and how these subjects were essentially pretty much taboo at that time and um, knowing that children... um, are the most in touch with their um, their energy, their kundalini energy, their third eye, and their intuition up until about the age of six. The the whole idea of um, introducing the visitors, uh, so to speak, um, into the vocabulary, which in today's um, you know time with Donald Trump talking about the space force and the space fence and space in general and entrepreneurs like Elon Musk creating opportunities to travel to the stars where, you know, the, our mindset is entirely different, but um, giving children permission to, to connect is so important. Well, yes. And to put it in uh, a reasonably positive light. Yes. I think that with the the whole notion of the space force, the implication is that um, we need to protect ourselves. We need to get ready to um, defend and maybe even shoot down anything coming close to us from the sky. And um, that, in my opinion, that would be a real tragedy if they shot down the UFOs. Now, I do need to mention, of course, uh, that there are beings, extraterrestrials, uh, whom people do not want to have encounters with, and I certainly understand that. So not all species out there are really to our liking, and some seem to be more threatening than others. But in all the work that I've done, I have found so many beings who are either neutral, in other words, they're scientifically oriented, they're not good, they're not bad, in our opinions. Um, And many, many species are benevolent and are very caring about humans and caring about planet Earth. In fact, I've given whole lectures a number of times just on that subject, the benevolent ETs and their caring for Earth and humanity. So it's that aspect of things that um, I would like to get across more to the children so that those children who would happen to find this book um, and do the coloring in it, get involved in it, that if if they're having unusual visits 
in their rooms at night um, that they hopefully won't be as frightened or confused or traumatized by it, but more open to eventually, if they're ever ready to, to explore more details of what's been happening for them. Also, kids may hear other kids talking about this. I know some children who have been abducted from very early ages, and and then when they told their, that usually their siblings will believe them. Their parents might not necessarily believe them, but their siblings usually do with the ones I know. But when they go to school and tell their school friends about this, um, sometimes they get mixed reactions. Some kids are very interested and want to hear about it. Some kids think, ah, aliens. I don't want, you know, that's not even true. So, um, you know, it's just a mixed, mixed reaction out there for kids. But anyway, the more kids who I can can talk about this, who can be aware of it, I think the better because it actually is a reality which we humans have known so little about. And um, I think it's time, I think you think it's time too, you know, for us all to know more about this this whole phenomenon. Um, it's been an integral part of my life for decades, and um, I personally believe that we are at a place where we're claiming um, our intuitive and psychic abilities uh, and our abilities to talk to beings from other dimensions. Um, As you know, we're about to have our third consciousness and contact uh, conference here in South Dakota. The first one was in Vermont, but um, in Vermont uh, two years ago at the first event, our opening speaker was the animal communicator, David Lewis. And we did it that way because being able to communicate with animals opens the door to being receptive and able to communicate with other beings, other species. And um, it, it, you know, one thing leads into another and another. And um, it's not just the, uh, you know, the extraterrestrials, but the angelic realm and the divic realm and uh, the elementals, um, the animals. I mean, there there are so many different kingdoms to communicate with, uh, the plant kingdom. And uh, I do believe as humanity takes its place um, in the galactic system, uh, which is our birthright, communicating in all of these, uh, with all of these realms and all of these beings will become uh, common practice. Oh, yes, I, I definitely hope so. We were, it's all life. It's all sentient. It all right. counts. Yeah, Absolutely. We're, 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 we humans are just a drop in the bucket. Right. <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're important, and especially when we're one of them. <laughs> but, oh, there's so much more beyond us. 
Yes, and we need to be humble and we need to cooperate um, because it's only of benefit to everyone uh, if we work together uh, and protect yes. this beautiful planet that we have. Oh, yes, so important. And so many of these beings are really concerned about that. You know, there are a lot of beings, I have heard from some of them, um, who are very intrigued with this particular planet that we're on. Because for one thing, we have more species and subspecies and sub-subspecies of different life forms than all of the other planets that have life put together. One extraterrestrial who used to channel through one of my clients for years um, made that point. He said, you humans take it for granted that there are so many different life forms because that's what you've always known. But from other beings on other planets, Earth is absolutely amazing. And they're very interested in humans, too. And um, particularly in qualities that we have like emotion and creativity and artistic natures, art and music and so many of the different arts, art forms that we have. And but particularly our emotions and how the emotions can cause so many problems with us humans. And the divisions within humanity, the divisions within countries. You see, it isn't that way in a lot of these other planets, a lot of these other civilizations. And some of them say that they used to be, oh, probably millennia ago, they used to be more like we are in terms of having emotion and over and againstness and separateness and this team versus that team competition. And But they learned over millennia of time that that is not very workable. And they slowly evolved out of that. So they look at us as they're much, 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 much younger selves, how their species used to be a long time ago. And they care about us because they know that we can get into such terrible trouble that we could ruin the whole civilization, ruin the whole earth, you know, by our emotional reactions. And so lack of control. Yes, yes, and aggressiveness. Yeah, a lot of them recognize that the human species uh, is so aggressive and competitive and determined. Now, those qualities can bring about a lot of achievement, and and it has. So they have, but also a lot of difficulty and destruction as well. Uh, so I I love it when we get perspectives about Earth 
from some being who's not on the earth. You know, they're either in another dimension or on another planet. And a perspective that's so different than our perspective being here on earth. Well, in terms of um, the group of people that you're currently working with and the beings that they are in communication with, is there anything specific that you can share with us that you've been told about um, our current situation with the coronavirus and how this is all unraveling at this moment? Well, uh, not too much detail about why this is happening, but just a recognition that um, that's one of the things about planet Earth is that that we do have um, these viruses, germs, and so forth, and that, you know, that we're vulnerable to that, um, and that every once in a while it kind of goes haywire. Uh, But I have not heard any messages about whether or not this is a deliberate unleashing of the virus, a deliberate pandemic, as as many people think it is. Um, I, I have not gotten off-planet information about that, but just that this is part of, this is a natural part of the human condition because we have so many viruses and bacterias um, that occasionally um, it kind of runs amok and many people are affected. Sort of in the natural run of things, in other words, uh, by, uh-huh. being on, by being on planet Earth. It's part of so, the human condition. Yeah, uh-huh. And, and one that they don't necessarily have on their planets. And that's also... Um, a very big reason, uh, one of many, why they don't come and show themselves on Earth. They they can't be here for very long, the extraterrestrial beings, uh, because they would not be able to um, withstand our viruses and, and bacteria. You know, it would be so foreign to them. That makes total sense, and I would also think that um, perhaps frequency would be a big factor for them as well because our emotions are so dense and their, their energy is so much lighter because they're no longer dealing with these um, emotional struggles that for them they would feel pulled down or weighed down uh, which I, I suspect is why they, you know, pick and choose in terms of the people that they're communicating with. Oh, yes, yes, good point. Right, and also, some of these beings certainly seem, from our point of view, seem to be coming in from a different dimension, not only from a different place physically in the cosmos, but a different dimension of intelligent beings. So they would be even less likely to be able to handle our denser, heavier vibrations and frequencies, as you say. 
Yeah, I think that's very true, Barbara. I completely, completely agree with you on that front. Well, we're in the soup now, aren't we, in terms of um, kind of a primordial, chaotic uh, swirl? Yes, yes, we certainly are. And the more that we can get in touch with our own ability to love and have goodwill and have a sense of sending that out around us, even if we're not out and around physically too much these days, but whenever we are, um, you know, to to bring that with us, uh, that that sense of goodwill and acceptance and and love, that agape love. Um, the more even a small group of people doing that makes a difference in the frequency here in the world. So I oh, absolutely! everybody to do that, to just have your own personal little mission. Um, as Cynthia Crawford, one of the wonderful hybrids, said to me a few years ago that she encourages people to focus, to every day, focus their awareness in their own heart center, heart chakra, and recognize get to recognize an emanation of love and then when we go out of our homes and we see other people walking down the street or in the supermarket or in the train station or wherever that we just look at those people and have that visualization and that feeling of sending out the love vibration from our heart center to them. So like as you're walking along the sidewalk and people are walking past you coming from the other direction or they're walking in front of you, just send it out. Like visualizing that this love energy from your heart chakra is just filling up that person. I mean, how wonderful... It's how beautiful do that yes and and we can do that it does it you know it it we can do that we can do that even from our homes um broadcast the energy out and you know and yes with our families and friends yes yes so that's that's a wonderful thing to be practicing i I remember that every once in a while, <laughs> do it again for a while, and then I get busy with life and forget it. It's such a human thing. Um, but anyway, it's, it's good to be reminded of that. Cynthia Crawford was a very talented sculptor, too, if I'm not mistaken. You are right. Yes, she sculpted many, many uh, depictions of extraterrestrial beings. And she would know what they look like because not only was she having experiences herself with a number of extraterrestrial beings, several different species, but when she would be sculpting, she'd be in a meditative state. And the beings, let's take, for example, a blue Arcturian being, 
which is one of the ones that uh, she had the genetics from. So the blue Arcturian being would be inspiring her, sending her mental pictures of what they look like and also sending the energy down through her arms and her hands so that she could sculpt the shape of those beings. Wow. She felt that she was totally guided in each one of the 20 or so uh, different kinds of extraterrestrial beings she did sculptures of. And these sculptures were very amazing. Uh, She had many people buy them, and they would email her or call her sometimes later and say that living with the sculpture is really amazing because they would get messages in their own minds telepathically from the sculpture, or they would feel energy sometimes from that sculpture as if the being who had inspired that sculpture was somehow uh, coming through the sculpture to the person who had bought it and taken it home. I mean, I think that's that's pretty amazing. Cynthia was just amazed at first at all the feedback she was getting. Anyway, well, art is the... I was just going to say art is the doorway to higher realms. Uh, it's one of our doorways. So it it makes sense that she was communicating um, and bringing the beings through in in her work. Yes. And, and the sculptures themselves would then be a means of, um, you know, the tra- transferring uh, frequency again. Yes, that's right. Absolutely right. I mean, it's wonderful that some people are doing these things that really enhance us so much. Help to raise, especially now, our, yeah, our frequencies and our consciousness. You know, there's so much in the media that is, I think, kind of bringing our awareness downward into, um, you know, so many of the problems and emotional entanglements and everyday little, what I call nuji-guji <laughs> thing. Um, <laughs> that it's, it's a good word. For, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's easy for humanity to lose the bigger picture, the finer picture that there there is a force, an energy, a vibration, a frequency of love and love for everybody, not just being in love type of love or love for your own child, but you know that the, the widespread inclusive love for all that is possible. And thank goodness we at least have some people on earth practicing that and sharing it. Oh, absolutely. We need more. And 
I think we're in a place where people are becoming more aware and in tune with that. Um, yes. I'm meeting more uh, people anyway who, who are. I'm sure you are as well. Yes. And yeah, and to have had the to have had the um the you know the quarantine the sequestering for a few months to to stop and go inward and think about you know the issues of mortality and death and life and um the bigger picture I I think has been useful to some people some people yes. have really made the best of it um yes. it's scary also it can be but um, but there are, you know, benefits as well. Yes, I think so. I've heard so many people say, oh, it's so nice to slow down and have time to think and to look at my garden and to go through old stuff and throw it away and read things I want to read and look at, wonderful films on YouTube and, you know, there, I've heard a lot of people say that. Uh, it, it's it's almost like a meditative time for some of us. Exactly, exactly. I've been appreciating this time of slowing down. And uh, it's been a, a very full and interesting time for me being alone here at home. I mean, I've been really, really grateful for it. And yet I love being out with people. There's no problem with that. But this is like a gift of a retreat. Uh-huh. To kind of yeah. think about who we are and where we're going and what's really important. I couldn't Deep agree with you more. Mm-hmm. Deepen in. I like that phrase. To deepen into the experience of being here by ourselves or maybe with one or two loved ones, if that's the situation you're in. But even those of us who are completely by ourselves, I I am just finding this and enormously enriching time. I agree completely. I And we're never really alone anyway. <laughs> no, no. I'm, I'm feeling that all the time. <laughs> yeah. So, well, um, Leah, did you want to touch upon the subject of Sasquatch, Bigfoot? Well, I think we're just about out of out of time here, but what I'd like to do is invite you back for a part two a little later on, uh, and we can cover Sasquatch in depth. I know our audience would be really interested in that. Is okay. there any anything else you'd like to add about um, the hybrids before we go? Well, I'd like to just repeat uh, the main thing that they have brought through, which is that we are all part of the great source. We are all one. Amen. Yes, we are. We are all connected. 
Yes, well, thank you for this opportunity, Mia. Oh, Barbara, thank you. It's been a pleasure. Um, Really wonderful conversation. And I look forward to speaking to you again soon. Wonderful. Okay. Go well, everybody. Stay well and stay safe. Bye for now. Welcome, everyone. This is Mia Ferroletto, publisher of New Observations Magazine.